This is Clutch Fans. And by the way, shout out to the Clutch fans. You're listening to the Clutch Fans Podcast, an open conversation for Houston Rockets diehards. I'm ready to get on Clutch Fans. Now, here's your host, the man who would have drafted Harold Miner over Robert Ory, Dave Hardesty. Welcome into the podcast. I am here with uh, another good friend of mine. You guys know him very well, David Weiner. Uh, he's an attorney here in Houston and is basically a resident capologist, has been for years at Clutch Fans. And uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Thug, as well as on the uh, Clutch Fans forums. David, how you been? Uh, I've been doing uh, really well over the last, uh, let's say, 20 hours. <laughs> There's a lot to talk about because what a game that was. Rockets pull out game four, 95 to 92 at Oracle, a place where the Warriors have not lost in the playoffs since adding Kevin Durant. 16 straight wins, the longest uh, home playoff streak uh, in NBA history. The Rockets snap it, and it was a game that they absolutely had to win. I mean, the, just looking at it, going down 3-1, coming back home, I mean, it, it looked like they would have been toast had they not pulled that game out. Agreed. And for about half of the first quarter, it looked like they, they had no prayer. This is probably about as close to a Game 7 in the NBA Finals as you can get for the Rockets. Uh, maybe there's a, a, you know, maybe Game 7 of this series is similar to that. Because if you consider that the Rockets or the Warriors are pretty strong favorites, uh, both of them to beat either the Cavs or the Celtics. This is everything. They they were pretty much their odds of, of winning the series if they'd gone down three one are probably close to zero. Not not impossible, but pretty close. And having won now, they, they it's a three game series, two games in Houston. They're still facing a team that David. This is I mean it, it's just incredible. I mean they are stacked uh, up top and and you know watching this game four. You can't help but think to yourself, you know, we know how great Curry and KD are, but these guys have moves that are completely unguardable. You cannot guard Kevin Durant pulling up from 20 feet. I mean, you just you can't do it. I think Ariza in the fourth quarter was about as good as of a you know defender on on KD as you can get, and you can't defend Steph Curry pulling up from 28 to 30 feet. I mean, you can you can. Go around screens as much as you want. I mean, if he's if he's got that kind of range, it's very tough to stop. So, for me, for the Rockets to be tied two two now and coming back here, they're in just a great position. Probably as good as they could be considering the opponent they're facing. Couldn't agree more. I mean, with Curry, Thompson, and Durant, the Warriors have probably three of the top five shooters in the league today, and maybe three of the top. 10 or 15 shooters of all time all on the same roster and you got a glimpse of what they're capable of in the third quarter last night um when they're clicking with with all them hitting their shots especially when curry goes off 
I don't think there's a higher level of basketball perhaps has ever been played than the absolute top A game of this Golden State Warriors team with Durant. Um, to to be tied 2-2 is quite a feat. And the fact of the matter is, while it's easier said than done, they just ha- the Rockets just have to win two home games. If they can win two home games, they're in the NBA Finals. Um, you know, we'll see what happens, but but this this win was so huge and it set the Rockets up to at least have a legitimate shot at knocking off one of the great teams in NBA history. And, you know, I think uh, after the Rockets lost game one, that season-long pursuit of home court advantage was sort of mocked. People just kind of said, hey, you know, the, the Warriors pretty much don't even have to try in the regular season. They, they could do this to anybody. And there's maybe a little bit of merit in that. But now we see clearly why they have home court and why it was a big deal with three games left. And as you pointed out, two wins at home where the Rockets have been very good um, and they're going to the NBA finals. Uh, you know, <laughs> this game, I mean, just on a personal level, David, I mean, this this felt it kind of took me back a little bit to uh, not necessarily my childhood, but certainly younger days where I was just just emotionally invested completely. You know, I think as I've gotten older, I'm still, you know, a diehard fan. I'm still into it, but I think I can separate myself a little bit more from the game, from the outcome. You know, for me, I was watching that fourth quarter, Rockets going in down 10, fall behind by 12. Uh, I don't think it's I, I just kind of took a moment to reflect for a minute because I think my wife uh, and, and a couple of my daughters had actually come into my office they don't, and to watch this this final five or six minutes. And they, you know, they they're kind of sort of your casual Rocket fans. They would love to go to a game here and there, but they don't really follow the team. But they were they were pretty much hooked on this. And every shot, every miss, I mean, they were pretty into it. And I, I, to me, that was that kind of game. It reminded me more of a, a 95 playoff run where you're playing in Phoenix, you're playing in San Antonio, and you need a huge road win when the odds are just insurmountable. And I think uh, nobody really expected them to pull this game out uh, in Oakland, and they, they do it just the same. You know, I want to talk about a few of the heroes. Um, Harden was absolutely fantastic in the first half. I think – if the Rockets win this series, and maybe even if they don't, that that dunk over Draymond Green will go down in Rockets history as a great dunk. I mean, we still talk about the T-Mac dunk over Sean Bradley. Rockets didn't win that series. But if they do win this series, it's going to be an all-timer because, to me, it almost felt like you stood up to a bully because for years they have been tossed around by Draymond Green. And Harden, when he's you know, gone at Draymond Green, he generally loses because Draymond's a very physical player. That dunk, to me, was uh, a turning point in that game. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, I think you said it best, that it's like standing up to a bully. Uh, before that dunk, I think a lot of fans, and maybe, you know, they'll never admit it, maybe even some of the Rockets weren't sure that they could really go toe-to-toe with the Warriors and Oracle. But I think when the moment Harden dunked on Draymond, you just saw a switch turn on with all his teammates. And I think fans around the globe, Rockets fans around the globe, where everyone simultaneously got that feeling that, Hey, we can do this. You know, you know, I say we, but I mean, the the Rockets can do this. They, they can hang here and, and, and they might be able to pull this one out. 
you know, let alone after spotting the reigning champs, a 12 point lead. Um, but yeah, that was monumental. The, the T-Mac dunk on Bradley was the first thing I thought of. And, and, and here's hoping that, that, uh, we win the series and it and doesn't stand out as a dunk by itself, but just as one of many fond memories from a big series win. Uh, no doubt. And I think, not only you mentioned that 12 nothing lead, which I, you know, I think a lot of people thought this thing's over. It's absolutely over from there. Uh, Rockets quickly turned it around, ended up taking a 10-point lead just before half. I think it was seven points at half. Uh, but <laughs> the Rockets shot 39% from the field for the game, 31.6% from three. I mean, that's a recipe for a loss against this team uh, to go into Oakland and pull that out, shooting those kind of percentages tells you how far uh, defensively this team has come. Trevor Ariza was outstanding. Not only did he hit that huge three with about six minutes left in the fourth where uh, Chris Paul sort of threw that bowling pass down the baseline from one corner to the other, Ariza knocked down the big three, but he was fantastic, in my opinion, guarding Durant. The Rockets just were completely focused on the defensive end. I mean, they talk about you know, the, the Warriors being fatigued and they're, they're not used to playing this many minutes. I mean, the, yeah, maybe that's a small factor. The Rockets' defense, in my opinion, was as good as it's been all season. It was truly elite in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I mean, the, the fourth quarter defense was another level. But even in the first quarter, I mean, Rockets easily could have been down 25 in the first quarter how, with how bad their offense was to start the game. It was a combination of bad offense and, and Golden State's defense was really good to start the game. Um, but the Rockets' defense really kept them in it, even as they were getting skunked, essentially, by the Warriors. Um, the defense, I thought, was solid throughout the game. The first three quarters, it was really good defense. Uh, the, the third quarter was more a product of the, just the Warriors' greatness, I think, than, than any sort of major slippage in the, in the Rockets' defense. And then, like I said, the fourth quarter was, I mean, I, I don't know if, if we've seen very many teams since maybe like the, the, the bad boy Pistons and the 90s Bulls, maybe the 90s Knicks that have played that kind of shutdown defense uh, in a big game like that. It, it, it was absolutely incredible. Um, you know, Ariza and Tucker, two of my favorite Rockets, were just fantastic. I mean, you touched on it before, but Ariza being – you know, you never have a great matchup against Durant because he's just so awesome. But of, of anyone on the roster, I like Ariza's length against Durant. He's the only one who has anywhere near the length that, that, that KD has. Um, hell, Chris Paul getting matched up on Durant, uh, I actually kind of like that. That um, They almost baited KD into taking, you know, 20-footers against, uh, you know, guys like Chris Paul and Eric Gordon, which – Quite frankly, even if he had a taller defender on him, he's still going to be able to lift up and shoot over them. But Durant and to lesser extent Gordon were able to kind of get in real close and crowd him and made his shots difficult. Even if he was getting a clear clear view of the basket, it was still a difficult shot. So they were really making across-the-board help. Harden, his defense in the fourth quarter was oh, yeah. tremendous. I mean, I had complained a little bit about his defense through the first three quarters. I think he had a... Uh, on a, a few plays, he got beat early and then just kind of drifted in the drifted in the middle of the defense and didn't go back and, and pick up a man. Um, and I think at the fourth quarter, he knew it was kind of nut-cutting time, and he really locked in 
And, you know, he missed some shots. I think he had some tired legs, missed a few threes. But defensively, he was really, really good. And just the whole team. I know I'm, I'm, I'm going on and on, but that fourth quarter defense from every single player was phenomenal. You know, as far as Tucker, you mentioned him. You know, we spent, you and I talked, generally speaking, when we talk on a podcast, we're talking about roster building, cap management, what the team can do to improve. And that's certainly your wheelhouse. I mean, but you're a huge Rocket fan. You, you follow the team just like all of us. Uh, you know, we, we spent a lot of time, if you remember, in the summer, like how can the Rockets basically combat Draymond Green? In my personal opinion, Draymond Green is the key to this whole thing. It's just one of those really bizarre things where you put him on another team and I, he's going to have an impact, but he's not making that team truly special on this team with their overwhelming offensive talent and his ability to switch and play in any lineup really solid on both ends of the floor. Uh, he's the key. I think if they lost him, I think the Rockets would win this series. People talk about if you, you pull Curry out or you pull Durant. Yeah. Those guys are extremely hard to stop. Draymond to me is that, is the the real problem. And we talked about what could the Rockets do. As a matter of fact, it led to a lot of uh, Jordan Bell jokes, as you recall, I'm sure. Uh, but, you know. Well, well, let's not forget that one of the major um, statistical factors the Rockets have to overcome is a one nothing deficit in Jordan Bells. The Warriors <laughs> that have is... won Jordan Bell, and the Rockets, by contrast, Dave, well, you have know, zero Jordan Bells. I, there's just a heads up. If they had actually pulled off a deal to get Jordan Bell, they would have the advantage right now. Just keep that in mind. But This is the type of analysis you get nowhere other than Clutch <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. But, you know, P.J. Tucker has been that sort of poor man's Draymond. I mean, he's not the – he doesn't have quite that ability that Draymond does, uh, certainly defensively uh, elite level, but he's a fantastic defender, undersized, 16 rebounds in this game. I mean, he was 0 for 4 from the field, scored four points, and was huge. Um, you know, and we can go down the list, but I, the other thing I have to talk about here is they're talking about how uh, the Warriors lost Iguodala, and it's having a huge, uh, you know, having an impact, I should say, on the Warriors. Sure. The Rockets have basically lost, and I'm not saying because of injury, but they've lost Ryan Anderson to I don't know what. And they've lost uh, Luke Mabamute possibly to a shoulder injury, possibly to just o overcoming that injury mentally. But Mabamute is a significant player, somebody I would put completely in that circle of trust as, as far as the Rockets being seven solid players. Um, and then you thought you had Anderson as eight, Green and, and Joe Johnson as uh, nine and ten. The Rockets are running with six. I mean, they played... Uh, those their key six guys and Gerald Green and credit to Gerald Green. I've I've bagged on him most of the playoffs. He was fantastic in this game, uh, plus fourteen and twelve minutes. But could, could have done with a little better shot selection. No, but but I won't, I'll bet this can't be choosing. No question. I mean, he's knocked down some shots that I've been screaming at the screen like, "What are you thinking?" And he still knocked him down. But he took a couple of awful shots uh, in this game. But still. We're at that point. We went into the playoffs thinking, will Gerald Green make the playoff uh, rotation? And he's the seventh guy right now, and no one else is after him. Yeah, I mean, and, and I think you nailed it that a little of that has to do with the fact that, you know, Gerald does give them a bit of a spark. Um, 
he was shockingly good in spurts on defense, which was a big surprise to me. He had a couple not of exactly big plays. Known for his defense. I no, yeah, a, a I mean, block and a, steal a couple and... of. Yeah, I mean, one of those blocks was after he got beat badly on defense. He just recovered very nicely and was able to get in for the block. Um, but I was very pleased with what I saw from him on defense. I think that's going to give D'Antoni the, the confidence to keep using him. But like you said, Mute not being able to make a layup is just a killer. Because, uh, I mean, even with a bum shoulder, he gives you really good defense. But against a team like the Warriors, you you need to have guys that can you need to have five guys that can make a basket on the court. Um, with with Anderson, I'd like to think a lot of that is just the combination of the ankle injury and then his conditioning might not be where it needs to be. Um, I'm hoping if the Rockets can hang on and beat the Warriors, that maybe the Cavs or or Celtics are a better matchup for him. Maybe he gets some. Uh, he gets some minutes as a seventh or eighth man, um, but yeah, it, it's been it's been a little depressing seeing what little they're getting from him. Even in garbage time of Game Three, he goes out there and I, I was screaming at the TV, just shoot the ball, just don't pass the ball, Ger- don't let Gerald Green take eight more shots in garbage time. <laughs> Anderson, get some shots up. No, um, no so doubt. I've been a little disappointed with his passiveness, but, but yeah, to your point, this is a six and a half man rotation right now. And man, I'm hoping, uh, Bamute can, can, uh, heal up that shoulder and maybe D'Antoni rolls him out there for a few minutes in game five. Absolutely. I think that's critical. I mean, you're, we always joked about D'Antoni having a short rotation in the playoffs. You can't go with six, as you mentioned, six and a half. Uh, I mean, Green, it's it's interesting. He's you, you can't get him to stop shooting, and you can't get Anderson to shoot. I mean, maybe if it's the Cavs, I think you might see him. I mean, I, I think I have a hard time seeing him get minutes against a team like the Celtics if, if the Rockets, you know, again, knock on wood, were able to get there. But, uh, I mean, I just I look at it the oh, fact maybe that maybe against, like, a, a Horford-Baines lineup. Certainly, that's I, maybe that's possible. I just looked at it as if you can't get him significant minutes against uh, Minnesota or Utah, I, you know, I, I don't know if he's playable at all. I, I think we, we, you and I, are definitely going to have an off-season podcast, uh, you know, sometime in the future because I think there's a ton to talk about on this team, uh, and I, I maybe get even a high-level overview um, from from you on that today. But uh, do you think the buyout market? proved to be just sort of a bust i mean i think you added joe johnson he's he probably looks to be unplayable right now brandon wright had the injury rockets seem to be the the lead dog as far as who they could pick and choose um and you know we thought oh this is adding more depth to the team the the, the real strength of the rockets going up against the warriors all along was their depth i mean that the, they could roll uh, you know, James Harden or Chris Paul at all times with several guys that they could rotate in, whereas the Warriors were pretty top heavy. Um, you know, to me, is is that going to be sort of a, a failure that they they really didn't come up with at least one nugget out of that buyout market? I mean, it, it, it's tough to criticize. I mean, you're right. It, it, it didn't turn out the way they wanted it to. Uh, I, I do have to say that, that for those who thought that Joe Johnson was going to be like a, this huge piece. You know, I think maybe Joe Johnson from two years ago would have been. Um, but, you know, Joe Johnson's getting, he's getting long in the tooth. Um, if nothing else, he's a great locker room guy, great teammate. 
Um, very knowledgeable. You could probably throw him out there for a few short minutes and he can give you decent minutes, but you know, he's not going to go out there and, and, and light it up for you like he used to. Um, Brandon Wright, not surprisingly got injured. I think the the Rockets were holding their breath and hoping that he could make it through half a season with them. Cause yeah, he would have been very useful in, in the playoffs. And as another guy who with length, who could probably switch, uh, protect the rim. Um, what, what's, what's sad about the, all this is they ended up, the Rockets ended up waving Brandon Wright, who was clearly out for the year with his injury. And the, the person they waved in order to create room to sign Brandon Wright was Troy Williams, who finished the season really well with the Knicks. Um, but the Rockets are actually going to have a dead cap hit for Troy Williams for each of the next five years. So th- there might be none of the players that are on this Rockets team still on the roster, and the Rockets might still be paying Troy Williams on their cap. So that's a, an interesting little cap. It's a very small amount, but when they're paying luxury tax on it, it's it's it's, it's going to be just a, an annoying little number on the ledger just sitting there forever. Yeah. Like Matt Maloney. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Um, you know, I, I want to ask you about the offseason real quick, but I, I never really sung the praises of Chris Paul um, he was absolutely brilliant in game four after a horrible start. I believe he was over three or over four for zero points in the first quarter, 14 in the second quarter, um, and yeah, was huge in the fourth quarter, um, hitting a couple of big shots, uh, making great plays. You know, that, that's why the Rockets brought him here. I mean, it's not, it doesn't have to all be on James Harden. Uh, Harden was fantastic in the first half, struggled a little bit more in the second half. Uh, but Chris, but you had Chris Paul, and he made big plays, found the right people. Um, so I have to ask because it, it's it's going to come up whether the Rockets win the NBA championship or or lose this series. Can they keep this team together? I mean, we're, we're going to obviously talk about LeBron, and LeBron is going to be uh, the talk if the Rockets lose this series. I think if the Rockets beat the Warriors, I think it's out the window. I mean, I'm certain I'm sure they would still try, but uh, I think it's out the window. If they lose, it's it's probably going to be something that they're going to go all in on. But that's the sort of one big thing that people talk about. What else can they do uh, as far as offseason building to this team if it's not LeBron, which is still an unlikely hit? I mean, I think so, so much of the focus has been on if you're going to bring an outside player in, you know, that, that person being LeBron. Um, you know, I don't know how many people here thought the Rockets were going to have P.J. Tucker um, a year ago. or I mean, hell, not very many people thought we were going to have Chris Paul. Um, so I know it's a cop-out, but, you know, I, I think Daryl Morey and his crew um, have plan A through quadruple Z, no, yeah, uh, you know, in somewhere. Hopefully, uh, if it's on a whiteboard, hopefully they're not taking pictures of, of players signing their contract in front of it. Um, right. uh, that's a little shout out to Orlando. Orlando. Yeah. Um, um, but the fact of the matter is, you know, I think especially after this last night's game, the Rockets have shown that this is a championship caliber roster. Losing in six or seven games to the Golden State Warriors, one of the greatest teams in NBA history, doesn't mean you're a failure. It, you know, the, This Rockets team could probably win the championship 
you know, seven out of 10 years in, in NBA history. Um, so it's very likely they just run it back and bring all the, bring all their free agents back, tweak around the edges and, and run it back for next season. Um, the problem with that and with, with pretty much any scenario where you're looking to improve the roster, but even if you were just to bring this rotation back, the Rockets are looking at a massive increase in payroll and a luxury tax bill that is off the charts. Um, I know we were talking earlier, Les Alexander was very smart and picked the right time to sell the team because yes. Toma Fertitta is going to be paying through the nose for this team next year if he runs it back. And that's because you're um, mainly looking at Chris Paul. You've got Ariza and Capella, who's a restricted free agent. Those are the three that are just going to, you're, you're assuming, are going to jump up. I mean, we, exactly. we're safe assumptions. Yeah, yeah Chris, Paul, um, Chris Paul basically took $11 million less than the max last summer by opting into his contract to, to be traded to the Rockets. So assuming that they're, I would never accuse the Rockets of circumventing the salary cap or the collective bargaining agreement. No, or no. having a deal in place with Paul and everything. I would never do that. But assuming coincidentally that Chris Paul gets a massive contract this summer, maybe more than most fans would ideally like to pay a 33-year-old point guard, um, if he can make north of $35 million a year, uh, at kind of the 24 he's making now. Uh, the single biggest jump is going to be for Capella to go up from, you know, Capella is only making $2.3 million this year. He's, he could make 10 times that next year, possibly. Yeah. Uh, that's going to be the single biggest jump in salary. And then Ariza, you're hoping to bring him back around the mid-level range, which is, you know, around what he's making now. Um if you want to bring Bob Mute back, he's making the league minimum on a one-year deal with the Rockets. They don't have full bird rights on him. You know, do they have to use the taxpayer mid-level exception to bring him back? That's another significant raise. Um, you add all these things up, and the payroll is going going to be through the nose. I mean, uh, Harden's making thirty million next year. Ryan Anderson makes over twenty million next year. Eric Gordon makes thirteen and a half million next year. Uh, Tucker's making eight million. So it, it, it's going to be a very big. But let me let me change the yeah. let me change the hypothetical on you there. What if the Rockets do win a title, right? Which is fantastic. I, mean, I remember Daryl uh, sort of teasing Mark Cuban, sort of mocking him that he broke up, uh, you know, a title team. The Rockets would have to resign those guys if they won the title, correct? I mean, a lot of it is do they kind of already have an arrangement with Chris Paul where? it's kind of a tacit understanding that he's coming back no matter what. And then with Capella, his free agency is going to be one of the most fascinating free agencies uh, in the entire league Um, because he's a restricted free agent. um, Most teams are going to know the Rockets are highly likely to match any offer, but it only takes one team out there to offer him the max. And there've been rumblings about Phoenix, but you never know. You never know until an offer sheet actually signed what what's out there. Um, but you know, if a Phoenix or a Dallas signs Capella to the max, do the Rockets match? I mean, we, we faced this issue four years ago with Chandler Parsons where, you know, you can't do it anymore, but at the time 
the Rockets were telling any any media outlet that would listen they'll match any offer for mm. Parsons, and he got hit with a max offer. Dallas was very creative how they structured it. It's a two plus one deal, and uh, and the Rockets begrudgingly passed. And you know it'll be interesting to see if they make the same decision here with Clint. That I think it's a little bit different scenario because I think the Rockets kind of knew what Chandler Parsons injury situation was and kind of ended up dodging a bullet by not matching capella's got you know as far as we can tell a relatively clean bill of health and he's still really young and a guy who could perform really well uh throughout his next contract so we'll see those are really the two big issues and man i just find it so hard to believe they're going to let trevor ariza walk but again if some team throws you know 12 13 million dollars a year at him Maybe the Rockets say, sorry, it's too rich for our blood. Yeah, and, and these guys are are extremely valuable. They're not, they don't get enough press, but they, you know, Ariza's a, a strong defender, knows exactly where to be, doesn't hurt, necessarily hurt you in a catch-and-shoot, uh, 3-and-D type, uh, you know, wing situation. So, yeah, it's, and I don't want to get way off into the offseason. I, I, I mean, I appreciate all your insight. I wanted to just kind of scratch the surface on that because I think those are, are questions that are going to come up. I'm kind of glad the series is two two because I'm it's you know to be able to discuss this without uh, looking like we're we're giving up on the Rockets because it's far from that I I love where they are right now. Game five Thursday night at Toyota Center that place needs to be absolutely bonkers. This needs to be the best representation they've had uh, all year. Um, this place needs to be loud like Oracle, like uh, OKC, like Utah. Um, needs to be on another level. Um, but this is it, man. This is what uh, this is what the Rockets built for. Um, they 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 have focused all year on on beating this team because you know people criticize the Rockets for saying they focused on Golden State. To me, that's the silliest thing on the planet. It's very clear that the Golden State is head and shoulders above everybody. I mean, nobody has ever taken Kevin Durant's Warriors team past five games. This is the first time it's ever happened uh, in a playoff series, and you know, it's it's silly to to think that they're building a team to beat OKC or to beat the Spurs. I mean, you you're aiming for the very best, like any team in any era would do to beat that team. But yet, for some reason, it seemed to be a punchline against the Rockets, as if you know, trying to beat out, knock off the best is is some sort of uh, weakness. But uh, yeah, I mean, it makes no sense. I mean, if if you want if you want to be the king, you got to beat the king. Exactly. And that so they're they're in a great position, man. This is exactly what they hope for. Like you said, three games left, two at home. They need to win two to pull this out. And I and I I would love David. I would love to see them beat win this series, and for LeBron to win Game Six and Seven, and it be the Rockets against Cleveland. I mean, it would be so reminiscent of the Astros going through these historic franchises, and for the Rockets to go through Golden State and Cleveland would be. Uh, incredible. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but that would be, uh, to me, an all-time season. Yeah, oh, uh, absolutely. Although, the part part of me is hoping that, that, that no one has any egos and the Rockets can win the championship and then still get LeBron next year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> hey, David, thanks so much for doing this. Uh, we've got a big game uh, again Thursday night. Hope everyone's out there, everyone's loud, uh, and let's see the Rockets pull this out. Thanks again for doing this, man. My pleasure as always, Dave.